Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. It's good to be in God's house, amen? Amen. Before we we do anything else, we're gonna take an offering. Um, An opportunity for give to us is really an opportunity to continue our worship. And we just worshiped in one way, um, this is another opportunity for us to worship. It's, it's a way that extends beyond, uh, that extends into the, the everyday of our personal lives. Um, the Bible says, uh, I just, I love this verse and I, I read it uh, this past week, but Jesus told his disciples, he said, give and it will be given to you. And Pastor Josh preached last week on the fact that uh, that the way to become great in the kingdom of God is to serve. And uh, the kingdom of God is a, is a kingdom of opposites, in a sense. There are a lot of opposite reactions, things we wouldn't expect. To be great is to serve. Well, um, the way to, to have more is to give, Jesus says. I remember, uh, I remember as a kid, always going to the corner store and getting like a, a $1 Arizona iced tea, and then back then it was like a $25 bag of chips. And I remember, the, I remember the day that I had a revelation that I looked at that bag of chips and I said, wait, over like 50%, 75% of this bag is air. This is a jip, this is a scam, right? But the, the conclusion to that verse, give and it will be given to you, he then says, pressed down, shaken together. It is the opposite of Lay's or Doritos or whoever's making those chips. It is pressed down, it's overflowing. But the way to experience that overflow is to give because God can't fill that up until we give him what's in there, amen? So, um, so if you're at home, there's a, there's a, uh, a number that you can text to give. Uh, and I wanna encourage if you, um, uh, this is the way, this is the place this is the one area that God says, hey, test me in this and see if I won't respond. Amen. So let's pray. Jesus, we commit this offering to you. God, we commit our finances to you. We commit our wallets. We commit every area uh, that, that our wallets and our finances even represent, oh God. The, the bills that go out for, for electricity and for gas and for doctor's bills, oh God. Lord, we pr- I pray that you, oh God, would oversee every bill that goes out from our, Lord, you don't want control of, of 10%, Lord, you want control of, of our, our wallets because you want control of our hearts, oh God. So God, we open it all to you, oh God, and we give you a portion to say thank you. We give you a portion and we return it to you because you're the one who gave it to us in the first place. So God, we commit, Lord, I commit every person's finances here in this building to you. Every person watching, oh God, whether they give or they don't give, oh God. Lord, you wanna bless them and you wanna open the floodgates of heaven upon them, oh God. So God, I pray that you would do it. I pray that you would send them blessings, oh God, that they never saw coming, oh God. So God, we commit this to you. Lord, we worship you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, if... uh, if you have your Bible today, uh, I invite you to open up to Hebrews chapter 12, but if you don't have it or if you're at home watching, we'll, we'll have it on the screen and you can open up your app as well. Um, but, you know, by a show of hands, uh, 
Anybody here, I, I hope it's most of us, anybody here grow up doing chores around the house? Yeah? Um, that's good. If you have kids, have them do chores. Um, I grew up uh, uh, a little different. I, I had chores, but then, um, but then I would have chores on vacation too. Uh, anybody have chores on vacation? What, like you go away on family vacation, you have chores there, and they like they're way more than at home. Um, it, th- those types of people were built different. And I remember uh, as clear as day going on vacation with a friend of mine and his grandfather, and his grandfather was taking us up to his cabin in Hayward, Wisconsin. And I was so excited. I had these grand visions of um, a sprawling cabin with like, you know, uh, floor to ceiling windows that overlooked the lake and, uh, and a wraparound dock and, and boats and jet skis and just, you know, everything you could imagine. And so, um, so what I was nervous about was uh, this was in the middle of nowhere. And if you've never heard of Hayward, Wisconsin, it's the middle of nowhere. And, um, and as a young kid growing up in the city, uh, if I went west of Harlem or like north of Tui or Howard, that was the middle of nowhere. So you can imagine my surprise and my, my uh, fear when we would get off the expressway in Wisconsin and we still had like an hour and a half to go through winding forests. Um, and so, so all of that, I was like, okay, it's cool, but it'll be worth it, right? And so we keep going and finally we get there. And uh, needless to say, when we arrived, the cabin was a little smaller than I was expecting. I was like, it's okay, it's probably nice inside. And we opened the door and, uh, and it's one room. And when I say it's one room, I mean it's one room. Not, um, not like an open space and then, and then a, one door here and one door there. No, one room. So no bathroom, no running water, no heat, nothing. This was a, when you say rustic cabin, it was a rustic cabin. Um, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, all right, well, as long as, you know, I'm a city guy. So as long as there are no animals, I'll be all right. Well, the, 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 the missing floorboards and the, the, the holes in the side had other, other opinions of that, right? And so, um, so I was like, all right, well, the one place that we could go to get away, like, so that we're not thinking about the animals that might creep in and all those things, is we could go outside, right? And, uh, and there was, and so we start to go outside right when we get there. And his his grandpa says, hey, before you guys do anything, I need you to do some, short, some chores. I'm like, all right, well, you know, uh, we'll do chores. And so he says, I need you to pull the weeds. So, all right, we'll pull the weeds. When we get out there, and it's not like, you know, some defined grass lawn. We're in the middle of nowhere, and so it's just like, well, well where? Everywhere. All right, well, um, it's basically the forest. And so we're, we're pulling weeds, and we're like, hey, this is easy, this is easy, and we're pulling them, we're pulling them. And we finish, we pulled all the weeds, and his grandfather comes out, and he says, so when are you guys gonna get started? And so look at all these weeds we pulled. And he said, look at all these weeds you didn't pull. And we said, well, those, those, those aren't weeds. Those are, too, those are too deep. Those things are like, they have huge roots. And he says, yeah, you gotta dig down deep and you gotta get them. And he goes down 
grabs it, twists it, pulls it out. And, and I saw that happen. I said, my eight-year-old arms are not strong enough for that. And, and so we spent hours trying to pull these weeds. And what it turned into is we would take, um, we would take rocks and we would take sticks and we would take leaves and we would start to cover the weeds that, that we couldn't pull up. And so, so we had like this really cool kind of mosaic out there of different things covering the weeds. And then what would happen is every day, all that we wanted to do was go down to the dock by the lake. And when I say dock, I'm being very generous. It was basically like a pallet that was there on the dirt. And then there was the lake right there, but we still wanted, that's where we wanted to go. And so when we would start to walk down to this pallet on the dirt, we we would have to walk by all the weeds. And every time we would walk, his grandfather would move some of the sticks and stones and the leaves and say, hey, you missed one there. Like, all right, you know, we're down there. And, and we would try and, you know, we try to dramatize it and say, we can't pull this out, but we really couldn't pull it out. They were so deep. And, you know, we're eight years old. Our, our arms are only so big at that point. And we're pulling, we're pulling, we're pulling. And over and over, we became experts at putting sticks, stones, and leaves and covering up those roots. And the Bible has something to, to say about that. There's, there's one root that is talked about in the Bible uh, a lot, but there's one verse, the two verses I wanna read from the book of Hebrews where it talks about this root. And in Hebrews chapter 12, um, by the way, Hebrews is a book all about heavenly faith and heavenly ideals, but lived out in earthly application. It's all about how on earth we live out this heavenward life. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and it's the hall of faith. It's over and over, it's talking about the heroes of faith and what made them heroes of faith, and it, and it gives us things that we can look for. And then Hebrews chapter 12 basically says, now in light of all that, here's then how you should live. And I wanna, I wanna read two verses, but really park on one point of that Hebrews chapter 12 chapter, and this is what it says. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will ever see the Lord. See to it, see to it, pay careful attention, watch around, look, look intently, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no what? No bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The Good News Translation says it this way. Guard against turning back from the grace of God. Let no one become like a bitter plant that grows up and causes many troubles with its poison. Pray with me. Jesus, we just, we trust you, um, Lord, that you wanna come into this place and you wanna provide healing today in our hearts, Lord. Uh, you, wanna, you wanna shine light on our hearts. You wanna help us with your truth. You wanna order our steps. Lord, your word, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So God, we open our ears to you. We open our hearts to you. And God, we wanna hear from your word and we wanna apply it to our lives. God, we believe that you're gonna do something in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. So this root, it, there's a root of bitterness, the Bible calls it. And this root is, is a weed 
but it's not just one that's right up on the surface. It's not one that, that you just pull out real easily and it just kind of, kind of comes out. It's one that, you know, like, like I got used to, that sometimes we, we shuffle sticks and stones, we, we try to hide, and we try to cover. Um, I believe that that bitterness is often the number one thing that gets in our way from living out the call of God on our lives. That there's a root that it can go deep and it can, and I'm gonna get into this, it can stop though, it can taint the way that we think, it can taint the way that we see things, it can taint the way that we process things, it can taint the way that we, that we receive from God. And then as a result, we miss out on the things that he wants to do for us. And so today I wanna talk to you, title of my message is From Bitter to Better. Everybody say from bitter to better. Now you might say, hey, I don't have any bitterness, but you know what, just for the sake of maybe the person next to, your, next to you who, who may not say it so confidently, say it, for, say it for them or say it for the person in the back. From bitter, bitter. to better. So maybe, maybe you don't, maybe there's no bitterness. Maybe you're like completely clean from it. You've never dealt with it. You're just an angel walking on earth. There's still better things for you, amen? amen. So, um, so listen, bitterness, this is, how, um, this is how someone would define bitterness. Bitterness is an experience of the soul in which what is unpleasant, unexpected, or undesired becomes penetratingly painful and overshadows all that is good. Sometimes, sometimes there, bitterness is a root and it's a weed and we're gonna talk about that, but sometimes there's fruit of bitterness that we see, but we don't get all the way down to it because we say, you know what, God, I need you to help me with my anger and that's true, but, but really it's that bitterness that's resulting in that. It's the fruit of bitterness and bitterness is deep down and it taints everything that, that might be good and we only see it through the lens of pain. I believe today that God wants to give freedom to some people here. I believe that God wants to give a new paradigm and a new mindset to some people here. I believe that God wants to release some things and he wants us to walk into a new calling, into a new level of grace. That, that verse even said, be, you know, be careful that you don't turn on the grace of God. Be careful that you take hold of all the grace that God has for you. This, this text really outlines bitterness as, um, as two things, as a weed that causes you, that causes us personal trouble, but then bitterness is also a poisonous weed that spreads and it stains. That word defile in the text that we read, it means to stain with mud or with filth. And so what that means is that when there's a bitter root in our hearts, that we start to stain everything in our eyes, we see everything in our eyes with a stain of mud or filth. We can't see things clean. We can't see things pure. We can't see things really as they are or as God sees them. Why? Because we are seeing with bitterness, we are seeing with, uh, with a defilement that stains what could be good. Um, the way that uh, um, bitterness is like a, a spiritual poison. And um, like I said, it's a weed. And so weeds kind of work like this. We think of weeds as, uh, they're gonna, 
we think of weeds as these little things in the, in the top of the ground, right? This is what I was pulling. And I was like, all right, this is, this is cool. But then when I got here, it's like way too much. I'm like, nah, that, that's meant to be there, you know? Um, and the thing is that bitterness, it starts with small seeds, develops deep roots, and then it produces bad fruit. And so a lot of times we think of, we think of offense, or we think of anger, we think of uh, even of guilt or envy or jealousy or, or all of these things, we think that's the root issue, but really a lot of times the root issue is deep bitterness and it's producing that fruit. You see, um, even, even the way that, that weeds work in our, um, in our, our, our ground system and the, the way that things grow, the word weed is a plant that's really just out of place. It's a plant that's a pest that interferes with crop or livestock production. It's, it's in large part, weeds are in large part human creation because what happens is that there are plants that are designed to be in one environmental system. They're, they're, uh, they're good for this type of soil and with this kind of sunlight or this amount of sunlight and this amount of water. And then what happens What's happened in life and in history is that people will take plants from one area of the world, move them to another area of, of the world, and then they weren't supposed to be there. And then it turns out to defile the rest of the soil. So what does that mean? That means that that bitterness for us, a lot of times, you know, we're all in this room, we're all watching online, and we've all had... Uh, people say words that have kind of stuck with us that, um, that weren't helpful to us. We've all had arguments with people and relationships severed. We've all had things done to us. Maybe somebody put their hands on you or, or things have harmed you or you've been outcast or you've been bullied or, or you've been set aside or you've been overlooked. All of those things, your experiences are true. Your experiences are real. They've really happened. But a lot of times what we do is we take those, we take those experiences and we place them in our hearts and they're not meant to live there. Those words that somebody spoke over you, they're not meant to live in your heart. That thing that somebody did to you, it's not meant to live in your heart. That's, supposed, that's meant to be cast aside because what happens when it lives in your heart, it grows and it grows and it expands and it creates an intricate, this is the way that, that weeds work, even scientists will agree. It creates intricate, bound, bounded um, uh, uh, systems of, of weeds that are now connected and they're, they're get, they get stronger and stronger underneath the soil when they're left unattended to. And then it, it destroys anything else that could grow. So you might say, well, you know what? There's this weed, but there's all this other, but there's maybe I can plant something here or something here. No, it won't go deep enough because the weeds are gonna, are gonna, gonna strangle it out. You can't let it sit. And so what happens is that poison, it starts to take root and it changes us by intruding upon our views, by intruding upon our mindsets, by intruding upon our paradigms, by intruding upon the things that God has called us to do and the, the ways that he's called us to live. And so we're not supposed to be bitter, we're supposed to be better. Everybody say, from bitter 
God wants to take me from bitter to better. Everybody say to better. There are better things that God has for you. There are better places that God has for you. There's more grace that he has for you. There are higher callings that he has for you than, you than you could even see. But in order to see that, you have to allow those new things to come and take root. And so how do we go from bitter to better? You know what? Even, even doctors, they agree that bitterness, it not only affects the way that we think and the way that we act, it, the bitterness affects our physical lives our physical health. Look at what a doctor from Johns Hopkins said. Persistent bitterness may result in feelings of anger and hostility that when strong enough could affect a person's physical health. In order to deal with bitter emotions, there may need to be something else required to enable a person to overcome the negative emotion. That something is what? Is forgiveness. See, God wants to heal our boundness Physically, mentally, spiritually, he wants to heal our boundness. He wants to heal our brokenness. But the way that he does that is by healing our bitterness. Our bitterness can lead us to those things and it can blind us to what God wants to do in our lives. And so how do we go from bitter to better? How do, we, how do we say, God, I don't want to stay in this place. I want, to, I want to go from bitter to better. Well, number one is you have to take that root and you have to pull up the root quickly. Everybody say quickly. You have to pull up that root quickly. Why? Because the longer that bitterness stays, the deeper the roots spread. The deeper that the roots spread, the more authority it has on the soil. The more authority it has on the soil, the more it's going to strangle out anything else that wants to grow. You have to pull it up and pull it up what? Quickly. The best time to forgive is when? Right now, immediately. I wanna encourage you, if there's, you know, look, every person in this room, every person watching, myself included, the devil loves to take the opportunity to have us feel offended. The devil loves to have us, to give us the opportunity to make us hurt by somebody that they may not have even intended it that way. When you, go to a, when you go to a restaurant today, you're at home with your spouse, you're with your kids, you're with your family. The devil's looking for ways to get you to feel offended. Because if you can get offended, that's a seed that's gonna be planted. And if it can grow without being dealt with, that's gonna grow into a root of bitterness that then starts to strangle all the other things that's planted in the soil. Offense is just you building a fence around yourself and it's stopping all the other things from coming into your life. All of the good things, it taints all of the good things that God wants to do in your life. The, um, you know, sometimes there are immediate things that we need to deal with and I wanna encourage you. Some, you know, like I said, sometimes there's, there's a, a quick thing that a, that a coworker might say, a quick thing that a spouse might say, a quick thing that, that a friend might say. You start to feel that offense Deal with it and deal with it immediately. There's a, there's a shelf life to, to healthy confrontation and to, to healthy communication. There's a shelf life where you get offended than to say something because if not, then it starts to take root and now that root starts to defile the other things that you're seeing in your life. 
And so if it's not an immediate thing, I wanna encourage you, start to take that, start to take those roots. And it might not, it might not just be a quick, a quick grab right here. You might have to, you might have to put twist. You might have to pull it up, right? When, uh, when we were pulling those weeds, his grandfather had to get some of them because we weren't strong enough. Some of them, uh, I had to take two hands and I had to pull and I had to say, hey, you, uh, get your hands on here. We had to take four hands and pull. You might need somebody else to come into your life and help you deal with those roots of bitterness. Invite other people in. Invite the Holy Spirit in. There are things that you can't do on your own, but it needs to be taken out and it needs to be taken out quickly. It starts small, it's just a seed, but it grows. Small things become big things. They turn into roots. You know, you ever, uh, <laughs> I, I almost said, um, I almost said, have you ever harbored a fugitive? Uh, <laughs> disavow, I, I take that back. Um, I'll rephrase that. I imagine, um, and I'm imagining here, uh, I just, I don't know what it's like, but I imagine if somebody was harboring a fugitive, um, that this is kind of what it would look like. Now, imagine with me for a second. Um, let's say that you're in your house or in your, you're in your apartment um, and you're doing the dangerous thing of harboring a fugitive. They, you probably put them in like one bedroom or a back room or like a back porch or a basement or something, right? And it's like, okay, that's the place. Um, just, just imagine with me for a second. But let's say that you're harboring that fugitive because what is it to harbor bitterness? It's to put it into a corner of your heart and you say, okay, um, I'm not gonna touch that. I'm gonna put that away into the corner and I just don't wanna deal with that right now. That root that's there, I'm gonna just put some leaves over it, put a stick and a stone over it so that nobody sees it. I know it's there. God knows it's there. But maybe I don't need to touch it right now. So let's say that you're, you're harboring a fugitive, right? Put them in, the, in the back room. Put them in the, in the spare bedroom. Put them in the workout room that you don't use. Put them in the basement, the attic eventually, right, it'll be okay for a little bit. Nobody will know. No one will know. But eventually, they need to come out and they need to use the restroom, right? Eventually, they need to come out and they need to use the kitchen, right? And the more comfortable that they get there, the more of a footprint that fugitive takes on your house. So eventually, where you could get away with maybe having people over and nobody knows because you keep them in that back room, eventually they get comfortable enough where they're expanding their footprint. Eventually it gets comfortable enough where you say, you know what, I can't invite anybody into this place. They could stay on the front porch right now. That's how our hearts look like. Sometimes we take, we take a, a the, we, we harbor bitterness, we put it into a corner of our heart and without realizing it, it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. And so where it's started and we said, you know what? I'm not letting anybody into that corner of my heart. Now it's spread into the, into the greater parts of our heart. And we said, and now we, even without realizing it, we've built a fence and we've said, no one can get into that place of my heart. When you harbor bitterness, you're performing treason against your soul. You're allowing something harmful for your soul to sit there. You're making a safe haven for something harmful, for something deadly, for something that's gonna kill your spirit. 
You're creating a safe haven. You're creating a space. You're saying, hey, you can go ahead and live here. And it never stays just there. Don't create a safe haven. The fugitive's living space, it always grows. Take that root and get it out what? Quickly. Everybody say quickly. Get it out quickly. Don't let it sit. Don't let it sit. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So if today was the day of salvation, couldn't today be the day of deliverance for us too? Couldn't today be the day that we rip that up? Couldn't today be the day of freedom? Couldn't today be the day that we walk in new grace and in new liberty? Pull that up and pull it out quickly. I, uh, I, was, reading, um, I was reading the gospels this week and... Uh, and by the way, when you read the Bible, especially when you read the stories of Jesus, I wanna encourage you, imagine yourself in the story. Say, what would, what would it have been like to be there? And, um, and I love Peter because when I read uh, Peter in the Gospels, uh, I think of him as like, uh, I think of like what it would be like to be friends with Peter. So Peter always says the things that, I imagine the rest of the disciples are thinking, but they're scared to say. So you ever have a friend that like, you're in a group of friends and you wanna ask something or you wanna say something and you're like, uh, hey, hey, what do you think? Um, hey, ask them about this. And then they ask, right? Um, and sometimes you play your friends like that. No, no, you guys wouldn't do that. Um, but I imagine that there was a time where where maybe Andrew and maybe Thomas, the disciples, they're like, hey, Peter, um, so this guy, Jesus, like, we believe that he's the son of God. Um, he's healing people. He's performing miracles. He's uh, turning water into wine. He's doing all these incredible things. But like, um, hey, ask him, you know, he said this thing about forgiveness. Uh, ask him how many times we have to forgive. And Peter's like, oh, I got you. Like, yeah, I want to know that too. And, and Peter's like, Jesus, hey, so you're doing all these things, right? And you're the son of God and, and it's great and we're here following you. Um, but I just have a question. Like, you know, he probably, I imagine he's like a little sarcastic. He's like, how many times do you have to forgive somebody? Like, like seven? Like, that's a lot, right? Like, not that many. And Jesus is like, oh, 77. You know, Jesus' answer was, he's like, you're not even close. Even, even commentators agree that what Jesus was saying there was not an actual number, but it was a figurative way of saying, hey, there is no number. He's saying, there's no limit to the grace that I extend to you. There's no limit to the forgiveness that I extend to you. There's no limit to the mercy that I extend to you. So why is there a limit on the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that we extend to others? That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, if you can receive my grace, then you can extend it to others. But maybe the way, the reason that we're not extending grace, the reason that we hold on to bitterness and we harbor things and we don't forgive is because we're, not, we're, having, we're struggling with receiving God's forgiveness for our lives. See, forgiven people forgive people. God has enough forgiveness for you. And he's not running out of the forgiveness that you can extend to somebody else. 
His mercy is like an endless ocean, the Bible says. His grace is boundless. There is enough, and you're, if you give it out, you're not gonna run out. I love the way that, um, that Jeremiah puts it in Lamentations. Jeremiah was considered the weeping prophet. Um, he had a lot to, to weep about in his lifetime, um, but he was honest before God, and then he let God into his weeping. And this is, how Lament, this is what Lamentation says. Jeremiah says, I remember my affliction and my wandering. The what? The bitterness. Everybody say the bitterness. The bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Another translation says his mercy never fails. They are new, what? Every morning. Every morning there's fresh grace. Every morning there's fresh mercy. So if every morning there's fresh grace from God, every morning there can be fresh grace for us to forgive others. Pull it out, pull it out quickly. Everybody say quickly. There was a, um, there was a group of, of missionaries in the 1700s, but even extends into the, into the um, they had missions there until the 1900s of the Moravians. And the Moravians, um, an incredible group of missionaries. There was a group of them that even sold themselves into slavery so that they could witness to, to people in the slave trade. Um, but there was a group that went to the Eskimos in Northern Canada and uh, they couldn't find a word uh, in their language for forgiveness. So they had to compound one. They had to put one together in their language. And this turned out to be something. Yeah, something. But whatever that word is, it meant not being able to think about it anymore. So imagine this. These missionaries go to the Eskimos and they're trying to tell them about the gospel. But you can't tell them about the gospel without telling them about forgiveness. So there's no word that explains forgiveness in their language. And so, so they said, here's what it means. You're not being able to think about it anymore. When God forgives you, it means he's not able to think about your sin anymore. And when you for extend forgiveness to somebody else, it means that you're not able to think about it anymore. So when you pull out that root, that root no longer has a hold in the soil of your heart. And you put it down and you say, I'm not able to think about it anymore. There was a, um, a news station that, that was uh, asking people what forgiveness meant. And there was a young boy in Texas and he said, it's the odor that flowers breathe when they're trampled upon. How do you respond when life seems unfair or unjust? Because that, your response makes all the difference. 
If you allow that to be a seed that goes into to the soil, it starts to grow. But instead, we can choose that not to grow. We could say, no, God, you're good. God, I trust you. God, your mercies are new every morning. And I don't have to let that grow down in that soil. So... You know, when we go from bitter to better, it's kind of like a, um, a spiritual uh, procedure. Imagine that you, you go to the, the doctor and they say, oh, we gotta, um, there's, something, there's something wrong here. Um, I think about if I went to the doctor and they, they, they found something in my heart, they would, they would send me to the ER first or the hospital and they'd say, okay, we need to do this and this and this. Um, and that's like an emergency. It's like right now. And bitterness for us right now, we have to pull it out quickly. But then they would, before I would leave, they would say, um, you have to cut out red meat and you have to watch your sodium intake. You have to work out. You have to um, drink enough water, what, all these things. And there's a, a long-term thing that you need to do too to get well, to get better, right? And for us, when dealing with bitterness, when dealing with this root, we need to plant new spiritual seeds. What you sow will grow. So if you sow unforgiveness into your heart, that's gonna grow into bitterness. If you sow anger, you sow envy, you sow jealousy into your heart, it's gonna grow into bitterness. But what you sow will grow. So when you rip out that, that, that root of bitterness, the soil's clear. What are you gonna do when the soil's clear? Please, please, please don't rip that out and then go back to sowing bitterness into, your, into the soil of your heart. Do something new. Start something new. You have to plant new spiritual seeds. You know, we have, for our businesses and our finances, we have structures and systems, but sometimes we don't for, for the things that produce bitterness in our hearts. Think about that. There's, there's a... Um, an anticipated faith response that we can take on in our lives. What I mean by that is we can make a predetermined faith decision that says when something comes and it tries to offend me, I'm not gonna let it. That the, even in the word, uh, I, uh, even in the Bible, the word offense in the Greek, it was scandalon for scandal, it's a trap to try and produce a scandal. And so when the enemy tries to offend you, he tries to set a trap for you. He tries to, to create a scandal in your heart so that it grows into a root of bitterness, but you can have a predetermined faith response that says, I'm not gonna let that happen. I wanna encourage you for things that are, that, that are hard and believe me, for you and for me, there are always ways that the enemy tries to sow those seeds in us. And so to stop him, you can have a predetermined faith response. I mean, think about it. The, um, uh, the people in the Bible, they had predetermined faith responses that led to victories. Look at the three Hebrew boys. They said, they said hey, we're gonna, we're gonna worship God. We're not gonna worship the king. And he's gonna deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even what? If he doesn't, we're still gonna respond. So they said, all right, even if this bad thing happens, I know what my faith response is gonna be. 
Daniel had the same thing. He said, no, I'm going to stay true to who I am. And he said, I know that God's going to deliver me from the, from the pit of a lion. But even if he doesn't, guess what? I'm still going to worship him. He had a predetermined faith response. I'm going to be somebody that if I'm offended, I'm still going to extend forgiveness. You want to sow new spiritual seeds into your life? You want to see new spiritual things grow? Healthy things? Have a predetermined faith response. Say, I'm going to be a person who forgives, right? Where do we get this? David said this in Psalm 84. He said, oh Lord, you are so good. You're so ready to forgive. God is so ready to forgive. I want to be like, I want to forgive like God forgives. I wanna, I wanna take my cues from that. He's ready to forgive. His grace is endless. His mercy is a boundless ocean. There is enough. So there's enough that I can receive and then there's enough that I can give. How else can we sow, can we sow new spiritual seeds into our lives? I had somebody tell me just today, they said, you know, I asked, I asked the Holy Spirit, um, just told me this today. Someone said, I asked the Holy Spirit how to help me grow new spiritual things in my life. And, he's, and he's, this is for him. This is, it might be different for you. But God told him, the Holy Spirit told him, look at everybody, view everybody in your life as if they have a certain amount of days to live. Because if, if you view things like that, there's no way that they can offend you. You see things as too short. You see things as not worth it. You start to put those things and scale them in perspective. Ask the Holy Spirit, say, God, how can I sow new things into my life so that, you know what, can, uh, um, in the back, could you put that picture of, of, uh, of weeds back up? The picture of weeds. So, what happens with weeds is they go down and then they strangle everything up. They take up all of the space. So now I want you to picture your life, picture your heart as, I'm not saying that you have all these weeds. We all have seeds that the enemy has tried to sow. But there, there, there might be a weed or two. I have to continually rip up weeds and say, no, I'm not gonna let that sit in my heart. I'm not gonna let that harbor in my heart. I'm not gonna give a safe haven for that in my heart. And sometimes you look back on the last, on the last week or the last two weeks, the last month, the last year, and you say, God, I'm just praying for breakthrough in this area. Why, where, where is the breakthrough needed? Where, what do I need to do? And sometimes God will point out, he'll say, hey, there's a weed right there. You gotta dig that up. And so when you dig that up, what happens? Well, it creates all this new spiritual space. There's new ground for you to sow into. There are new things that God wants you to do. There's new places that God wants to take you. There are new, there are new avenues, new places of, of influence that God wants to give you, new relationships he wants to grow, new old relationships he wants to mend. But how is that gonna happen? You gotta sow into it. So instead of bitterness taking root, what are the things that you can sow into? I just heard a story uh, this weekend of a pastor in Iowa who just took over his, he, he became a pastor of a church for the first time. He's 65 years old. And 
when I heard the story, I said, wow, 65, he's, that's incredible. I mean, God's never done, um, God, God's plan of becoming is never done for our lives. There's always new things around the corner. But then what happened is he was in Bible school as a young man and he had a pastor that, that he grew up under and that pastor prophesied that he was gonna be in ministry one day and he was gonna be a pastor one day. But then right when he graduated Bible school, that pastor had a moral failing and it caused all this division, all this dissension, all this pain and hurt in that church. So this young man is in Bible school, he, he's so hurt from it and so scarred and so bruised. He said, I don't want anything to do with that. So years went by and he came back to church. He started going to church again. Um, years went by and he, he keeps serving. Uh, he winds up teaching in his church, winds up serving in ministry, leading ministries of, of uh, small church that he's in. And then even the, the kind of the overseers of the church are saying, hey, God's hand is on your life. You should, um, you should get this and you should do this and you should seek out this, this, um, this call on your life. And he was resistant. He said, no, I don't, want to, I don't feel like that's, that's where God has me. When finally, just like recently, God met him and God showed him, no, you are called to do that but you're holding this piece of bitterness against the pastor who fell. And because of that, you're not believing what God told you back then. God, for some of the people in this room, God has, has told you things in the past. God has shown you glimpses of his glory, glimpses of the mission, glimpses of the call, glimpses of the things that are ahead for your life, but you've let somebody stand in the way. You've let roots stand in the way of what, that, of what growth is supposed to take. And today, in the name of Jesus, Jesus can take those roots out. He can bring back the former years. The Bible says that he restores what the locust has eaten. But it's new spiritual seeds that you have to sow into. What you sow will grow. It's a constant thing. Martin Luther King uh, Jr., he said it this way. He said, forgiveness is not an occasional act, but a constant attitude. Be ready to forgive. But then when you're ready to forgive, be ready to take the new ground in your life that's opened up with that. He also said, hate's too, too big of a burden to bear. The bitterness is too big of a burden to bear for us. Once it's clear, we can sow into new things. We can grow in new ways. And you know what? The, the city of Chicago, uh, the United States, this world is too dark a place for the church to be cynical. We have too much light to be able to look at the rest of the world and to be cynical and to have our eyes tainted as if, as if things have mud or, or stains on them. No, we need to see them how Jesus sees them. We need to give them the light, but we can't have light if we have roots of bitterness there. We can't have light if things are taking up the, the, the spaces of our heart. So listen, I wanna close. Will you stand with me? And I want us to, to respond to God's word But the greatest sign and wonder to our world, to our families, to our homes, to your workplaces, to your, 
to your spheres of influence is your capacity to forgive, your capacity to not let roots go down deep, but for you to have spiritual things, new godly plants that are planted in your life. So listen, in a, in a moment, the singers are gonna sing with us, but you know, I just feel like there's a new standard that God can give, I'm, I'm talking individually, for me, for you watching online, for you here in the seats, there's a new standard for forgiveness. There's a new standard of blocking out bitterness that God wants to give to us. You know, uh, um, there's a guy named Roger Bannister and years ago in the uh, 50s or 60s, he was the first, there had never been somebody who ran a four minute mile. And all of a sudden Roger Bannister breaks the four minute mile. It's the first time it's ever happened in history. But then something happened. A couple months later, somebody else broke the four minute mile. And then another person, and then another person. What happened? Well, once one person set a new standard, the, the, everybody else knew that there was a standard that they could live up to. I just wonder if, you know, we pray for, for revival, we pray for a revival in our city, revival in our nation, revival in Belmont Cragen and, and all throughout Illinois. But it's, I wonder if it starts in our hearts. If there's a new standard that God sets for us and then that new standard impacts the way that the rest of the world treats each other, the way that the rest of the world responds to the things of God. So right now the band's gonna play. But right now, can you just open your heart? Say, God, is there, is there any root is there any small seed that you want me to rip up and rip up immediately? Is there any new seed that you want me to sow into? What do you need to remove from me? What do you need me to take out? And you know what, even before the, the, the singers start to sing, with your eyes closed, if as we start to see God, as we start to respond to God, I wanna open up the altar because I wonder if God's saying, hey, I want you to lay something down with me and I want you to leave it there. I want you to not think about it anymore. I want you to, to take that seed, to take that root, to take that thing that, that is real and that may have done something to you, but you have harbored it. You made it a safe haven for the enemy to put a foothold. You started to commit treason on your spirit. I wanna take that out. I wanna rip it out. And I wanna rip it out right now, Jesus says.